guys, welcome back to the Allergic to Grace podcast. I'm Victoria. And I'm Whitney. And we're so glad you joined in to listen today. Be sure to give us a follow wherever you get your podcasts. We release new episodes every Monday and would love to have you listen to future episodes. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about Exodus chapters 30 through 32. But to pick up where we left off last week, let's quickly recap what we saw in Exodus 27 through 29. In chapters 27 through 29, God continues to give the instructions for the tabernacle, including the bronze altar, the court of the tabernacle, specific instructions for the oil to be used in the lamp, the priest's garments, and in chapter 29, God gives instruction for the consecration of the priests, mm-hmm. bringing us to the end of 29, of 29. <laughs> and to the beginning of 30. <laughs> I just want to say... I can understand why people would not want to keep reading. And that sounds horrible coming out of my mouth. I probably could have said it more delicately. No. But like, it's just a lot of technical stuff. It's very dry. Yes, it's very dry. And I don't mean that in a pun because in Genesis there was a flood. (laughs) (laughs) But it is. There's nothing like... um, It's not a story per se. It's not like grabbing your attention. It's a lot of technicalities, which it's important technicalities. But at the same time, it's like... Okay, can we get on with it? You know, yes. Like you, like when you're reading the details necessary. Yeah, like but... when, like you know, when you're reading something, you feel like you've read for like the second time. And you're like, okay, mm-hmm. as you're skimming down through. Like... It's like reading a textbook almost. Yeah, and you're just like, <laughs> but it's all good things. Yes. This is why we're here. We're here to push through. Chapter thirty starts with the altar of incense. Now, this is one of the items that actually goes inside the tabernacle. I'm not sure why they didn't include it with the rest of the stuff when they talked about the rest of the inside of the tabernacle because they explained, you know, the building and the. I just don't understand why the altar of incense wasn't talked about when they talked about the other pieces that went inside of the tabernacle because they explained the building of the tabernacle from the inside out. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I don't know why this is just, it's here now. Yeah. Because it's, it goes inside. It goes yes. right in front of the veil. Yeah. I don't know either. I never even thought of that until just you pointed that out. Yeah. And it's not even with, it's like, it's with the other outside things because we've been through that. Mm-hmm. in the priest garments and the consecrating of the priests but now we're back inside yeah with the altar of incense and hmm. i don't i don't know why i don't either but anyway it stood inside the tabernacle it did it was plated not plated it was overlaid with gold and it also had poles in which it was supposed to be carried by yeah it was like a mini version of the altar for sacrificing altar of sacrifice mm-hmm. what's it called the bronze altar. I don't know. That's why I called it the altar for sacrifice. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want another sacrifice? <laughs> no, I don't want another sacrifice. <laughs> All right. Are we reading? We probably should. Okay. You shall make an altar on which to burn incense. You shall make it of acacia wood. A cubit shall be its length and a cubit its breadth. It shall be square and two cubits shall be its height. Its horn shall be... Of one piece with it. You shall overlay it with pure gold, its top and around its sides and its horns, and you shall make a molding of gold around it. And you shall make two golden rings for it. Under its molding are two opposite sides of it. You shall make them, and they shall be holders for the poles with which to carry it. You shall make the poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. 
and you shall put it in front of the veil that is above the ark of the testimony in front of the mercy seat that is above the testimony where I shall meet with you. Keep going. Nope. I mean, that's the general gist of it. Like if you look it up on any, if you look it up on Google or anywhere else, you'll just see it's like, it's very similar to the altar, the mm-hmm. bronze altar where they put the sacrifices. It yeah. has those horns with it. The only thing that's different is it doesn't have a grate. That's very and true. And it's very small. Mm-hmm. Not very small, but it's smaller it's much than small. the, it's on, yeah. like, the bronze altar. Yeah. Because you're not supposed to put like a giant bull on it. So. Correct. So, I mean, I don't think there's, there's not much to go on after that. No. But I mean, the placement of it is important and its purpose. So the next part is talking about its purpose. Yes. And Aaron shall burn fragrant incense on it. Every morning when he dresses the lamps, he shall burn it. And when Aaron sets up the lamps at twilight, he shall burn it. A regular incense offering before the Lord throughout your generations. You shall not offer unauthorized incense on it or a burnt offering or a grain offering. And you shall not pour a drink offering on it. Aaron shall make atonement on its horns once a year. With the blood of the sin offering of atonement, he shall make atonement for it once in the year throughout your generations. It is most holy to the Lord. Yeah. So all of the pieces that are included with the tabernacle have to have atoning. Like they have to go through the yearly thing on the day of atonement. They have to put blood on the individual pieces of the things that are inside of the tabernacle to make them holy to set them apart yeah just like they do with the people yes i was gonna say to be able to be a part of yeah that but the the altar of incense is it sits in front of the veil that separates the rest of the tabernacle with the most holy place so it is the closest thing to the presence of god that sits inside of the tabernacle aside from the mercy seat itself yeah and that's important because they burn incense on the altar of incense in adoration and they use um we're going to go into in a couple of chapters what the actual incense is but um enduring word said it was the holy place of the tabernacle together with the golden lampstand and the table of showbread the table of showbread represented communion with god the lampstand spoke of the testimony of the world and now the golden altar speaks of the offering of adoration he's supposed to burn incense twice a day yes twice a day enduring word says incense is a picture of prayer and the sweetness of its smell and the way it ascends to heaven the ministry at the altar of incense speaks of how god's people should continually come to him in prayer yes but basically the incense and like the smoke and the aroma of the incense operated as like a i mean yes god could smell it but it was also too a visual representation of the Israelites' prayers mm-hmm. being sent to God. And there's there's reference to that in Revelation. Yes. When they're talking about the the golden bowls of incense, which yeah. are the prayers of the saints. And that's in Revelation 5. Yes. And then Revelation 8, 3, Revelation 8, verses 3 and 4, describe the golden altar of incense standing before God's throne. Yes. So. Interesting. Yep. Like we said, it's probably exactly the earthly miniature version of God's throne room. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. That because you made last every, time. everything that we have pointed out is also referenced to in Revelation yeah. when when John is is, you know, writing down his vision that he's been given by yeah. the Holy Spirit and God. So anyway, it's associated with prayer. And it's like how we are supposed to bring our prayers to God. It's yes. a continual burning, a t- continual smoke and 
sweet aroma to God of our prayers as we should be praying to him continuously. Yes. That's basically it for yeah. the altar I mean, of incense. <laughs> I really have nothing. What's the word? Nothing revolutionary to add. Um, I mean, I think it's all. Oh, and during word made a good point. I'll say this. During word made a good point. I should have reviewed my notes prior to starting this episode. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, they said, Prayer is not the place sacrificial atonement is made. It is the place sacrificial atonement is enjoyed. We don't save ourselves through prayer. We pray because Jesus is saving work on the cross. Yes. Very good. Prayer does not atone for sin. It does not. Okay. Moving on to the census tax. The census tax. <sighs> like we said in the beginning, these chapters are very dry. There's not much to them. No, there's not at all. And I feel bad because I honestly, like I did digging. But I didn't really find much. Yeah, there was nothing like I I feel like everything in in these next chapter or so is is, it's pretty self-explanatory, I think. Yeah, there's no like potential rabbit holes. There's no like it's very face value. Exactly. I mean, thankfully, it is face value as we are because like, you know, looking at all the intricacies of the details of the tabernacle, the building, the the ceremonies and things yeah. that they had to go through and, and the rules that are set forth like it needed to be clear yeah. and i think exactly i was gonna say and i think you know you saying that it makes a point of like god had to be very clear and very plain so that moses and the people understood exactly what it is that needed to be done yeah because it needed to be so like it needed to be different. It needed to be holy and most holy. And there was to be no room for open interpretation, no yep. room for anything. Yep. So, yes, I feel like that's mostly why it is. Dry. Yeah. I mean, there's no. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So the census tax, it's a very yes. short passage. It's verses 11 through 16. 16. The Lord said to Moses, when you take the census of the people of Israel, then each shall give a ransom for his life to the Lord. When you number them, that there be no plague among them when you number them. Each one who is numbered in the census shall give this half a shekel according to the shekel of the sanctuary. The shekel is 20 garaz. Okay. Half a shekel is an offering to the Lord. So a shekel was about two fifths of an ounce or 11 grams of probably a precious metal or something. Yeah. Everyone who is numbered in the census from 20 years old and upward shall give to the Lord's offering. The rich shall not give more and the poor shall not give less. And the half shekel when you give to the Lord's offering to make atonement for your lives. You shall take the atonement money from the people of Israel and shall give it for the service of the tent of meeting, that it may bring the people of Israel to a remembrance before the Lord so as to make atonement for your lives. Okay. Census tax. So I found some interesting things. What is it? Enduring word said about the part that says there that there may be no plague among them when you number them. A census put Israel at risk of plague because a census or a numbering signified ownership. This spoke against God's ownership of Israel because in their thinking, a man only had the right to count or number what belonged to him. So Israel didn't belong to Israel. Israel belonged to God. And it was up to him to command accounting. Okay. Okay. I see what you're saying. Keep going. Okay. So if a count was made without receiving the ransom money, a census communicated the idea that a king or human leader owned Israel when God alone did. Mm-hmm. And it says this was David's problem in Second Samuel when David took a census without the ransom money and God plagued yes, Israel. I read somewhere that portion about Daniel's whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what? But now that you're 
read the former that makes a lot of sense yes i also like the part where it was like the rich shouldn't pay more the poor shouldn't pay less like it's all exactly it's equal. i like that and part it wasn't also. a lot actually no. it was I, basically an atonement tax yeah an atonement for their lives mm-hmm. um because you know after all god did save them many times mm-hmm. continues to yep so i did i did kind of get down a rabbit hole oh good because i was like okay I feel like that sounded really sarcastic, but it really wasn't because I have nothing. No. And like, this. honestly, there may be no merit to this whatsoever, but I was just curious. Tell me. So I, I looked. Tell me. So you know how it says that if there's accounting done without the ransom money, that there will be a plague on the people. Mm-hmm. A census in the U.S. is done every 10 years. The last one was done in 2020. COVID-19 pandemic. Number one. What about before that? 2010 was the swine flu. 2000 the 2000s was sars outbreak (laughs) i didn't go beyond that because i was like what (laughs) are we gonna make it to 2030 right so like i don't know i mean scripture still holds true today that's really interesting and it didn't have to be a pandemic so i mean i don't know i just thought i was crazy really interesting interesting anyway i was like ooh. I wonder if there is any plagues that we've seen when there has been a census done. There sure are. When uh, we haven't taken the ransom tax. COVID-19. <laughs> anyway, that was just... Interesting. Not biblically referenced at all, but it's kind of... Kind hmm. of like, hmm. Makes you think. Makes you think a little bit. Yes. That was a census tax. Yes. It was a ransom for their lives. Yeah. And they... It was like... It, was, it wasn't tithing. Because that's supposed to be done according to how much you make. Mm-hmm. And it was it was just a ransom for their lives that put back into the tabernacle itself. Yeah, I was going to say to fund, I hate to say it like this, but like to fund the tabernacle. The upkeep and yeah. everything like that. Okay. So, anyway. Interesting. The next one. Bronze basin. The bronze basin. The Lord said to Moses, you shall also make a basin. Let me start over. <laughs> the Lord said to Moses, you shall also make a basin of bronze with its stand of bronze for washing you shall put in between the tent of meeting and the altar and you shall put water in it with which Aaron and his sons shall wash their hands and their feet when they go into the tent of meeting or when they come near the altar to minister to burn a food offering to the Lord they shall wash with water so that they may not die they shall wash their hands and their feet so that they may not die it shall be a statue forever to them even to him and to his offspring throughout their generations so there's two sides to that coin I feel about that they shall not die. Number one, it was just a clean practice. If you're going to serve food, you should probably wash your hands. Mm-hmm. Number two, washing your hands and feet when entering into the tabernacle, which is a holy place. It's kind of like how God in the burning bush told Moses to take his shoes yeah. off. Like that's, I feel that's also part of exactly. it. Like approaching the presence of God in an unholy manner will kill you. Exactly. And we touched on that quite a bit in the last episode yeah that too with the priest and his bills yeah and the making sure the and i think too it it really hits home the fact that everything that is holy and that is of god like how serious and how Mm -hmm. like important it is you know what i mean yeah so that you don't i guess for lack of a better term take for granted you know Mm -hmm. i mean we've seen we've seen what can happen when things infiltrate the church have you seen those reels where those churches getting struck by lightning? Yes. Like, yes, that's modern day. Mm-hmm. That's modern day. Mm-hmm. Not washing your hands before yeah, going into the tabernacle. Absolutely. I feel. Absolutely. 
Um, but yeah, that's it for the bronze basin. The yes. thing that came to mind when I read that passage was Jesus and washing the disciples' mm-hmm. feet. Exactly. Um, it's just, you know, servitude, I guess. Mm-hmm. Okay, next. The anointing oil and incense. Yes. This chapter is all over the place. It really is. It's like, it's. I like how it's broken up. Like, my Bible is really good. Like, puts the... Like the subtitles. The subtitles, thank you. On top yeah, of like so the, you know that way, like, to, you know, what what's where what you're about to yeah, look at and i also feel a little better because my study section of my bible doesn't have much on this stuff either no neither does mine <laughs> no neither does mine and i mean i did have like a uh i i like to use biblenotes.org.uk for like commentary and stuff but like it was very like there wasn't anything striking in it like some of you know some other things it was just very very plain like restating what the verse already said because again we've we've already said like i don't think this stuff was to be open to interpretation this was very clear instruction on how to prepare the place where god was going to dwell among his people yeah yep so the anointing oil and incense so the anointing oil is supposed to be for the priests the priest and everything there. everything mm-hmm. when the, whatever needs to be anointed mm-hmm. um that's what the anointing oil is for yes. and then the incense is supposed to be for the altar of incense So the Lord said to Moses, take the finest spices of liquid myrrh, 500 shekels. What? Okay, hold on. Let me start over. The Lord said to Moses, take the finest spices of liquid myrrh, 500 shekels and of sweet smelling cinnamon, half as much that is 250 and 250 of aromatic cane. That was one sentence. Yeah. And 500 of cassia, Mm -hmm. according to the shekel of the sanctuary and a hen of olive oil. And you shall make of these a sacred anointing oil blended by the perfumer. It shall be a holy anointing oil. With it, you shall anoint the tent of meeting and the ark of the testimony and the table and all its utensils and the lampstand and its utensils and the altar of incense and the altar of burnt offering with all of its utensils and the basin and its stand. You shall consecrate them and they may be most holy. Whatever touches them will become holy. You shall anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them that they may serve me as priests. And you shall say to the people of Israel, this shall be my holy anointing oil throughout your generations. It shall not be poured on the body of an ordinary person and you shall make no other like it in in composition. It is holy and it shall be holy to you. Whoever compounds any like it or whoever puts any of it on an outsider shall be cut off from his people. That was just for the oil. Mm-hmm. Very straightforward. I don't know what all those ingredients are. <laughs> no, I know myrrh. Uh, yeah. But that was but that's really it. the only thing. Well, that, I mean, and then the cane. And the olive oil. The aromatic cane. Cinnamon. I think it's like sugar. Yeah. Right? Probably. Yeah. I'm just imagining something like very sweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. It's, I mean, not the, but myrrh, like that's what it would smell sweet? like. I feel like myrrh, like I think, is, I was going to say earthy, but gentle, I think. Yeah. I could be wrong. I could be making something up. I don't know. <laughs> I just like I'm thinking like I don't know if it's the same I'm sure it's not the same thing but like have you ever smelt like the anointing oil that um like a pastor or somebody will put on somebody's head like if they're praying for them anyway that's never happened to me I'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) I mean it's never happened to me but I remember like my dad used to have a little capsule of the oil or whatever growing up and I used to love like if he would leave it on his dresser I would just go and smell it because it it smelt sweet Mm -hmm. so that's in my head that's what I'm thinking whether that's accurate or not I don't know I need to say I need to smell this oil that your father has I don't know I'm sure he doesn't anymore I was like Lincoln's age like (laughs) eight or nine (laughs) so no I've never heard of that but anyway 
I mean, like, you know what cinnamon smells like. You know what sugar smells like, mm. you know? Yes. And that was that was pretty much it for the oil. I mean, like, it's very yeah. it's very clear. It's very concise. It's very, you shall put it on these things and only these people. And if you don't, you're going to be shunned from mm-hmm. the rest of the world. Yeah. Or the rest of your people, bad. which is just bad. as bad. What is it when they said they should be cut off? If they give the Lots Passover lamb to any, any outsider? Yeah, or like if you eat, eat unleavened bread. Yes, it's a lot of things. Pick something. I'm sure that that is one of them. I mean, we're going to get to another thing later on, too, I think, about being cut off. You know, I wonder why. I wonder if that's why it's so strict in that religious community. Like if you break their rules, they'll kick you out. Based on this, you mean? Yeah. I'm sure that that this is where they've got some of that merit. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. The Lord said to Moses, take sweet spices. What? (laughs) A list of them that we can't pronounce. (laughs) So we're not going to try for the sake of saving embarrassment. Sweet spices with pure frankincense. Mm -hmm. Of each shall there be an equal part and make an incense blended by the perfumer seasoned with salt, pure and holy. You shall beat some of it very small and put part of it before the testimony in the tent of meeting where I shall meet with you. It shall be most holy for you and the incense that you shall make according to its composition. You shall not make for yourselves. It shall be for you holy to the Lord. Whoever makes any like it and uses it as a perfume shall be cut off from his people. Oh, yeah, that's all I was talking about. I knew it was in there somewhere coming up. Yeah. Being cut off from the people. Yep. So if you use the incense, if you make incense and use it for yourself, no. Mm-mm. If you use anointing oil, make it for yourself, no. Mm-mm. Don't do that. You're done. Right? I like the salt. Uh, yes, so did I. And because it's what Jesus says, he says it's exactly the salt of the earth. The salt of the earth yeah. One thing I thought was really interesting, and maybe you saw this and I'm jumping ahead, okay. but they were talking about also the practicality of the altar of incense because think about what is going outside what's going on 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 the outside of of the tent uh-huh is sacrifice yeah so there's like the oh it probably smells blood. terrible exactly so that uh not like yes it served very much so like a spiritual sense mm-hmm. but also like physical earthly practical i think sense. i have the the, the, ver- the verbiage you're talking about enduring word says where so many sacrifices were offered it was essentially necessary to have some pleasing perfume to counteract the disagreeable smells that must have arisen from the slaughter of so many animals the sprinkling of so much blood and the burning of so much flesh yeah because kind of like too when we were reading and learning about the construction of the bronze altar mm-hmm how they had bronze altar yes it had to you know it was important so not only did it serve like the fact that it was made out of you know bronze and da 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 mm-hmm. also had to be practical the great the tools so yes the altar of incense was important yeah physically as well mm-hmm. that was the end of 30 yeah she was a little bit rough to get through i have to admit a little bit I mean, I feel like it was really rough for me because I was like, I don't know what I'm supposed to say about this stuff. Yeah, I think so, too. And a lot of times, too, like the listing out of the different measurements, the listing out of the different spices that I yeah. don't know how to pronounce. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm reading a lot of, OK, and you need um, the sweet spices huh, and uh, and you know, I'm like, OK, you need this and this and this. All right. Sweet stuff. OK, uh, uh, again, back to the whole. OK, you know, yeah. so, yeah, anyway. I mean, that's that's the end of that. And 31 is not long at all. No, not long at all. And it's honestly just as 
just as random just as plain yeah and plain i not open to interpretation very like yeah i don't know how to say it other than like it is what it is yeah you know yep so we have um in 31 the first kind of do you even know how to say their names you know earlier when i was reading i in my head i'm i had figured out how to say is it bazale bazalale buzz yeah no oh oh ohio layab I read Ohio. <laughs> when I read Ohio their name, I was like, his I, name is Ohio. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. O M B. O M B. O M B. Yeah. Okay. So thirty one. Lord say to Moses. The Lord said to Moses, See, I have called by name B. I'm gonna call him Bez, the son of Uri, son of her and the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge in all craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs, to work in gold, silver, and bronze, and cutting stones for setting, and in carving wood, to work in every craft. And behold, I have appointed with him, oh, the son of a <laughs> what? <laughs> oh my goodness, um, the of the tribe of Dan, and I have given to all able men the ability that they may make all that I have commanded of you. The tent of meeting and the ark of the testimony and the mercy seat that is on it and all the furnishings of the tent, the table and its utensils and the pure lampstand with all of its, its utensils and the altar of incense and the altar of burnt offering with all its utensils and the basin and its stand and the finely worked garments, the holy garments for Aaron, the priests and the garments of his sons for their service as priests and the anointing oil and the fragrant incense for the holy place. According to all that I have commanded you they shall do okay Woo! so he basically laid out everything that he had already talked to him about he's like these two people are going to do it they're going to do all of this stuff that i have just spent all this five chapters telling you about (laughs) and you want to know how they're going to be able to do it because i told them how they're going to be filled with the spirit of god remember how we said that the garment people okay Mm -hmm. so my study my study bible the sec the section about the filled with the spirit of god it says Bez is described as being filled with the spirit of God, which means here that he has been equipped to fulfill the particular task to which he was called with the ability and intelligence to devise to work. The expression filled with the spirit appears in 28, 3, 35, 1, Deuteronomy 34, 9, Malachi 6, no, 3, 8, each time with the idea of God fitting the person for a task that serves the well-being of God's people. This is the likely background for the New Testament expression filled with the Holy Spirit. Yes. Interesting. I really like that. So God supernaturally enabled Bez to do all the work of the building of the tabernacle. And during words said, God saw this work just as just as spiritual and just as dependent on the Holy Spirit's power as the work of Moses and Aaron did. Mm-hmm. I really don't have anything to add, or no. so I'm not being disengaged. I just kapkunka, <laughs> kapkunka. Yes, I have nothing to add. Yeah, I like how God listed out everything in a concise list. Exactly. I so mean, like nothing was. We forgotten. are human. Nothing was forgotten. Like, yeah. No. So the second part of 31 is just talking about the Sabbath and how you're um, supposed to keep it holy. Yep. This is like the sixth time that it's talked about. Yeah. So are we reading this whole section? We don't have to. Six days of work, one day of rest. You shall keep it holy. It shall be a reminder to you. 
yep. throughout your generations. The last couple of verses say, therefore, the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a covenant forever. It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days, the Lord made heaven and earth. And on the seventh day, he rested and was refreshed. And then at the end of 31, it says, and he gave to Moses when he had finished speaking with him on Mount Sinai, the two tables of the testimony, tables of stone written with the finger of God. Tablets. Would you like to read that again? Did I say tablets? No, you said tables. Okay. And he gave to Moses when he had finished speaking with him on Mount Sinai, the two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone (laughs) written with the finger of God. Yes. That's like tables. You did. Oh my god. I was goodness. like, I'm just gonna let her go and ask her if she'd like to redo it. <laughs> the two tables of stone. <laughs> the stone Can you imagine table. him taking down the tables? <laughs> two tables Can you imagine having to, to recut those and carry them back up the mountain? Right. Oh, <laughs> oh goodness. Yes. So at the end of 31, we have the first set of the Ten Commandments yes. given to him written I by like, the finger of God. I like that it says, yeah, written with the finger of God. I like that it says that. Because there, nobody else could have done it. And even when he goes and breaks them and he comes back up, like God rewrites yes. them again. Yeah. The only thing different is, is that Moses had to carve the the, ta- the tables. He had to cut time. the stone. Yeah. Yeah. For the, for the writing of it. But God wrote it down. Because, I mean, it's his commandment. Who else could write it? Well, he didn't want it... To- to be misconstrued or you exactly to say much like the instructions for the he's like all right don't get twisted mm-hmm. here it is i think oh. they were written in hebrew were they yeah were they are you asking i'm me? asking oh i don't know what language it was i would imagine is it hebrew i mean they spoke hebrew well, they also yeah, spoke he- egyptian say. yeah oh i'm gonna look it up wow why didn't i think of these things or maybe we don't have them so nobody really knows yeah, the original Jewish language, Hebrew, or Aramaic. Ar- Aramaic. Oh, yes, Aramaic. I'm only saying that because yeah, it sounds familiar. I mean, we that was one of the three languages that the whole book of the Bible was written in. It was Hebrew, Aramaic, and um, Greek. Greek. I don't know though. Was it? Hmm. <laughs> okay, thirty-two. Thirty-two. <laughs> I feel like. What's wrong? This chapter, well, let's just get into it. 32 is your favorite chapter of the whole Bible. Mm, not the whole Bible. Of Exodus. Mm, yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. 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 I mean, just when we get there. It's funny. It's not funny, but it's funny. But it's like, <laughs> I feel like, for those of you who know what's coming in 32 with the golden calf, I did not know this until my adult life about Moses making the Israelites drink the golden calf. That if I think that if I were a child or a young person, that would be something that I would remember. Yeah. And so why was, why was this not emphasized? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Okay. Anyway, we're getting into the, to the chapter about the golden calf. So it says when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves to Aaron and said to him, up make us gods who shall go before us as for this moses the man who brought us up out of the land of egypt we do not know what he has become of him so aaron said to them take off the rings of gold that you that are in the ears of your wives your sons and your daughters and bring them to me so all the people took off the rings of gold that they were in their ears and brought them to aaron and he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving yes with a graving tool and made a golden calf and they said these are your And they said, these are your gods, 
O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it, and Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings, and the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. So this is the act of the golden calf. Yes. And we're going to talk about what comes, but let's just let's just dive into the act of the golden calf. Mm Mm-hmm. Of what happened. Yeah. I kind of want to play devil's advocate here. I don't. For a second. I'm not making excuses. Smite him. I'm absolutely not making excuses anyway, for them advocate. and what they did. Right? So let's remember how scared the Israelites were when sure. God spoke to them. The thunderstorms, yeah. like, you know, mm-hmm. all this. He, God had just wiped out the Egyptians. Well, not just, but like have wiped out. Yep. the Egyptian army and mm-hmm. they conquered another army on their way and in this thing so I mean they probably as long as it had been because mind you 40 days and 40 nights Moses was up there for 40 days and 40 nights they we talked probably, about that in a previous episode yes and I think we talked about this too they probably truly did not know what happened to him I mean he went into a, f- a fireball basically exactly and again I'm not condoning what they did at all whatsoever because have some hmm. yep um, but I'm just saying like in their head that that's probably where they're going. And these people are conditioned and have been living with the Egyptians for essentially their entire lives yep. who have multiple gods. Yep. So that's just kind of, I think, like where their headspace was. Well, what they did here was just a blasphemous. Mm-hmm. Literally. I mean, it was just disrespectful. And two, they meshed, they meshed what they had seen previously on mount sinai and with god their interactions with him they meshed that holiness to an idol which they have accumulated from egypt that's their they need to look at something to worship exactly exactly they wanted a visual representation yes so what they did was they were like you know this golden calf represents god the god who took us out of egypt when no what is it the second commandment that says you should not make, or is it the sixth? I forget which commandment it is, but thou shalt not worship any other god aside from me. Or you shouldn't make any idols. But like you no shouldn't worship, make no worshiping false idols. idols. You know, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. So they broke so, two commandments in doing all of this. You're done immediately. Like <laughs> yeah, you're immediately done immediately. No, yeah. So, like I said, I'm not making excuses. I'm just. I feel like I can better understand the whole situation when you understand, you know, anyway. Yeah. And also too, something interesting on the Exodus series with Dr. Jordan Peterson that I was listening to is that, you know, they were talking about where Aaron was during this whole thing. Like of all the people Aaron knew better. Mm-hmm. And one of their theories was, as one of the guys that was on there, was is that the whole like taking your ring uh what how did it say take off the rings of the gold that are in the ears of your wives your sons and your daughters and bring them to me Mm -hmm. they think that that was a stalling tactic i think so because think about it like you know yeah they're going in this whole uproar you know we give us something give us something to worship god or whatever and oh hey to your wife give me your earrings Mm -hmm. what i'm not giving you my earrings and this whole like you know oh but they were eager to do so so i mean like i said i'm not saying that what happened was right i'm not saying that Mm -hmm. aaron was right but i'm just saying it was just some interesting points that were brought up and i was like yeah i could see that 
Yeah, I mean, like, okay, I feel like... I mean, he still did what he did. Aaron was weak in A, his faith, and B, his leadership of the people Mm -hmm. in that moment because he took the will of the people over the will of God. Yes. So, no. Mm -hmm. Um, That was a failing on his part. Absolutely. at the second time, you have to think... God told Moses that he wanted to take an offering for from the people for the tabernacle of the, for building the tabernacle. So the things that they would have collected, those pieces of gold were just used to freaking build a golden calf. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And two, we'll get to it. But Aaron didn't have to build the altar. He didn't have to say, Oh, these people love this. So right. Absolutely. Much. Like he, right. he, I feel like he genuinely liked the adoration that he was receiving from the people. And he was like, let me make this even better. Yeah. Make you, um, like you, you fall into the demands. Do you know what I mean? Like popularity over. I mean, you and know, you know, Moses knows that the people are who they are. Let's they're difficult to deal with. Yes. I mean, oh, you should have left us in Egypt. Take us back to Egypt. They're very demanding oh. too, you know? Yeah. So I can imagine like the leaders of this group of people coming and being like, You need to do this now. Yeah. Type of deal. And then not being able to stand around anymore. Yeah, or just giving in. Yep. So they built an altar. They had a bunch of different sacrifices that, A, they also did with God in their, um, not consecration, but like their their covenant promise mm-hmm. with him. Mm-hmm. When they sprinkled the blood, they gave the peace offerings and the, the sacrifices yeah. and like all that stuff with the one true God. And now they're doing it with this golden calf. Yes. Which the calf itself is not like a baby cow. It's like a, it's three, a, bull. It's a three-year-old it's bull. It's a bull. It's a giant thing. I mean, you figure gold earrings and jewelry from millions of people. Mm-hmm. Yep. So um, they danced, they sang, they had a feast. They they got up early to play. Do you have anything on that? I I don't know that it's specifically on that. I have something that is a theory about what Moses and Joshua. Anyways, is when they come down from the mountain, what they're seeing. I have read and saw that it was basically an orgy fest. Oh, yeah. Like, that's exactly what it was. It was not like, you know, it was. Enduring word. Yeah. Says this is a tasteful way. To speak of gross immorality among the people of Israel, their worship included eating, drinking, and the sense of drunkenness and sexual immorality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The verb translated play suggests sex play in Hebrew, and therefore we are probably to understand drunken orgies. Yes, that's exactly what uh, what I read. And like, honestly, I guess I don't ever again, I don't remember much from this much as a child or as a young person like reading through well, no, this like, why I don't would they remember, say that what's well, I mean like I don't remember details of this at all I remember they made the golden calf it was bad Aaron did it he was wrong for doing it and yep. then we got a new set of stone tablets and away we go basically yep. whereas like now like when you delve into it like the Israelites were very much so influenced by the paganistic civilizations and cultures around them Mm -hmm. they were so used to having like these things and visual representations of what they had Mm -hmm. you know that they 
continually reverted back to yeah and then this i feel like this is even worse than just doing the pagan rituals and all of that in general because you're associating it with god yeah absolutely like absolutely like gods of israel and i would like to i mean correct me if i'm wrong and when it says um i can't see the verse number is it verse five tomorrow shall be a feast to the lord that is lord as in god's proper name god that they're yes. using there that's what i'm saying they're like mixing they're, pagan it's and like god you know together they say like when you speak english and spanglish or speak english and spanish and you end up speaking like a spanglish yep. but the god form yep. of that is what yeah. i'm imagining in my head and oh my goodness no no like that's 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 no (laughs) there are no words i mean we all know how this pans out but i'm afraid for the israelites right um got questions has a good like synopsis of that it says aaron's bull was a mixture of the powerful god who delivered the people through mighty works and the pagan methods of worship that were borrowed from the people around them yes and i too would also like to point out i guess going back to the whole sexual immorality thing like the calf slash bull like that was also a symbol of that oh yeah it was a symbol that they specifically built that because it was a pagan um thing for fertility yes Mm -hmm. the bull Mm -hmm. and so like that's why it was like Mm -hmm. whatever but aaron aaron let things get out of hand so now, mind you, oh. the people are down um, at the at the base of the mountain, and Moses is on the top of the mountain with God, <laughs> and he, God's talking to him. He's just given him the Ten Commandments. He's like, okay, here you go. Here's my covenant. And then the next words out of his mouth are, and the Lord says to Moses, go down for your people whom you've brought up out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way I commanded them. They have made for themselves a golden calf and have worshiped it and sacrificed to it and said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen these people and behold, it is a stiff necked people. Now, therefore, let me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them and I may consume them in order that I may not make no. And I may consume them in order that I may make a great nation of you. He's mad. No, he's more than mad. Indignant he's, rage. He's a this mad. is this is the this is the level of mad, of angry that God was when he sent the flood. Yes. But I would also like to point out something that I noticed is, is that number one, first of all, God knew before Moses did, because keep in mind, Moses, he's not all knowing. Like oh, he God saw it happen. So he is sending Moses down to make them stop preventing them from committing further sin. Oh, yeah. So yet again, in his absolute rage, he is still showing the mercy. Oh, well, in those verses, he hasn't shown mercy yet. So he's telling yeah. Moses, he's like, get out of my sight. Go stop them so I can kill them all. Yeah, he's going to. He's like, I will make a new nation out of you. You're going to be the new Abraham. And honestly, if God wiped out the entire nation of Israel, he could still have done exactly fulfilled his promises oh, to absolutely. Abraham. Like, <laughs> yeah, he could have done it. Like, let's not let's not be, you know, mm-hmm. surprised yeah but absolutely moses moses doesn't doesn't leave he's like um actually wait he intercedes on the people's behalf he does do that so in the next verse moses implored to the lord his god and said oh lord why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you have brought out of the land of egypt with great power and with a mighty hand 
Why should the Egyptians say, with evil intent, did he bring them out to kill them on the mountains and to consume them with the face of the earth? Turn from your burning anger and relent from this disaster against your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and all this land that I have promised I will give to your offspring and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord relented from the disaster that he had spoken of bringing on his people. So Moses, a... He didn't change the Lord's mind. No, he did not. He didn't, he didn't, you know, do anything to, to sway God. God had already decided what he was going to do, but he put Moses in a position to build his character Mm -hmm. and to build his, his leadership as the leader of Israel, not in the priest way, but Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. As in like the communicator between God and the people. Exactly. Can you imagine if Moses had just done nothing? It would have been an interesting turn of events. Mm-hmm. But God he knew. Wouldn't, he wouldn't, I mean, he, he wasn't going to do knew. that. <laughs> yeah, but he already knew. This oh, kind I, of goes back to the whole free will thing. Like, God gave Moses a choice. Mm-hmm. Moses was free to make whatever choice. He just chose to use yeah. God's promise against himself. Mm-hmm. Well, and he Which chose he to forget. He chose to pull on the ability that God gives us to make decision like we choose to make the decision free will yeah mm-hmm. and so him saying instead of saying yep wipe him out i'm your new guy he was like hold on you know mm-hmm. yeah he was appealing to his goodness mm-hmm. honestly mm-hmm. and but god knew already what he was gonna do oh yeah like he gave moses the choice mm-hmm. but because he knows us and knew moses so well he knew what moses was gonna do yeah so yeah so um i skipped over this part in my notes because i'm not looking at them apparently um (laughs) the stiff-necked there are stiff-necked people Uh so i was like what does that mean oh yeah this phrase is common in the bible it is a farmer's metaphor of an ox or a horse Mm -hmm. that will not respond to the rope when being tugged yeah so like they don't they don't pay attention to direction they don't take direction they do what they want they do what they want Mm-hmm. the rogue and think about how frustrating that is is like if you were the farmer if you're trying to plow a field and you want to get done or you want to accomplish something and the ox or this massive animal that can make it go faster and be done quicker is not participating about how angry you're going to be or you're trying to walk your golden retriever and it just lays down and you don't want to it doesn't want to do anything yeah. <laughs> you stiff-necked dog yeah, so that's but, a phrase that came from Enduring Word. That's a phrase that we'll hear quite a few times in the next yeah. couple of chapters. Um, oh, gosh. What? We're at 53 minutes. We haven't even gotten to the drinking of the cow. Oh, yeah, I know. So we took a little break. We did. Didn't we? Yes. A small some, one. Small one. Just have some sustenance. <laughs> If that's what you can call it. <laughs> okay, so we left off. Okay, we left off. Um, God had just told Moses what the people were doing. And then Moses interceded on the people's behalf saying, no, please don't destroy them all. Which God knew he was going to do. So he was like, fine. He relented from the disaster they had spoken of in the beginning on his people. He did. Bringing on his people, beginning in the world. So Moses went down the mountain with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand 
Tablets that were written on both sides, on the front and the back, they were written. The tablets were the work of God, and the writing was the writing of God engraved on the tablets. When Joshua heard the noises of the people they, as they shouted, he said to Moses, There is a noise of war in the camp. But he said, It is not the sound of shouting for victory or the sound of the cry of defeat, but the sound of singing that I hear. And as soon as he came near the camp, he saw the calf and the dancing. Moses's anger burned hot, and he threw the tablets out of his hand and broke them at the foot of the mountain. And he took the calf and they, <laughs> hold on, and he took the calf that they had made and burned it with fire and ground it to powder and scattered it on the water and made the people of Israel drink it. You like it? You like the golden calf so much? Drink it. Just drink it. Mm, it's good, isn't it? Yeah, you like that? Have another drink. <laughs> uh, did you have anything on like the purpose of him making them drink it? Because I actually did find some possibilities. Okay, I let's hear them. So this is from the study portion of my Bible. Okay, it says. The significance of making the people drink the water is not explained, and it may represent, and they gave three possibilities. My personal favorite is the first one. Okay. <laughs> Number one, a further step in the destruction and desecration of the idol to have the people digest and pass it. Yep. Um, or two, a step in the shaming of the Israelites for their folly in worshiping the calf. Or three, a type of test, something like the test for adultery and numbers, exposing degrees of guilt. Now, I have to admit, I did not look up what it is in numbers that they're talking about. Here, what's the verse? I'll look it up. Um, it's numbers chapter 5, verses 16 through 22. 5, 16. Yes. Through 22. Wow. Yeah. It's a lot. And the priest shall bring near and set her before the Lord and the priest. This is for adultery. Mm -hmm. And the priest shall take holy water in the earthenware vessel and take some of the dust that is on the floor of the tabernacle and put it into the water. And the priest shall set the woman before the Lord and unbind the hair of the woman's head and place her hands in the grain offering of remembrance which is the grain offering of jealousy and the hand of the priest shall have the water of bitterness that brings the curse and the priest shall make her to okay <laughs> and the priest shall, mm. shall make her take an oath saying if no man has lain with you and if you have not turned aside to uncleanness while you were under your husband's authority be free from this water of bitterness that breaks the curse that brings the curse but if you have gone astray through Though you are under your husband's authority and you have defiled yourself and some man other than your husband has lain with you, then let the priest make the woman take the oath of the curse and say to the woman, the Lord make you a curse and an oath among your people. When the Lord makes your thigh fall away and your body swell, may this water that brings the curse pass into your bowels and make your womb swell and your thigh fall away. And the woman shall say, amen, amen. What? I feel like we... <laughs> We we have some um Yeah We'll get to it. Yeah. I no, that warrants so much research in itself. Um what? Well, okay. So that's what's to come in our later what is later happening? That's what's to come on our later episodes of the Allergic to Grace podcast. Stay tuned. As we get into numbers. <laughs> Very shortly into numbers, so it seems chapter five. <laughs> oh my goodness i mean i had and, to do something with water and a curse so yeah and dust in the water and 
whatever. No, I like the first one because he makes him drink it. And then, of course, what's it going to come out? Well, they can't use it now. It's been it's been basically petrified. Like it's it's defiled. Yeah, it's powder. Well, no, I'm saying like them worshiping the calf in its form. It's defilement of the gold. So if they were to use the gold oh, to build yeah, the they tabernacle, for anything like, anyway. no, right. I do remember reading that. So like they literally made them drink it and they had to poop it out. And mm-hmm. so you are you going to dig through your poop for that gold? Constipation? No, Seriously. I'm not. <laughs> so that if that I happened. were a child, I would remember that. Right. Like, right. I remember the golden calf story, but I don't remember him. Like when you told me that he was like, ate it. I was like, that happened. Mm-hmm. Did not know. That's what I'm saying. I didn't know that until I was an adult. Until oh, my gosh. Ago. Speaking of speaking of stories about the books of the Bible, stories that are within the books of the Bible. I was in children's church the other day as an assistant teacher. Right. Yes. And they were going through the story with Joseph and Potiphar's wife. Okay. Okay. Th- but they started out, the teacher was like, who can tell me about Joseph and what happened to Joseph? And all of these children who were like, I don't know, first and second graders knew this story, like knew who Potiphar was, knew his name. Like, Did knew- my child? Yes, of course. Okay, good. Knew, like, knew- For real though? Yes, of course. Okay. Like knew what happened to Joseph, the code of many killers about his brother selling him into slavery, about all of this stuff. But the lesson was centered around Potiphar's wife and the seventh commandment of you do not commit adultery to first and second grade. That's really interesting. But they knew it like they like that's just the, not the detail of it, but the 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 thing of it like they were okay like the teacher was just like you know um later in life when you have a husband you or you have a wife you don't take another woman's husband you don't take another man's wife like that's the gist of it yeah and about how you should be praying for your future you know whatever but like they didn't understand what the adultery of of it was yeah thank goodness for that but But yes but like at the same time it's it was still being taught like that was still being taught oh good now when i was a child growing up like reading through the bible for the first time to be honest i didn't remember that story and when we read through it back at the beginning of exodus no the beginning of genesis Genesis, yeah i was like oh my gosh and then they were teaching in that class i was like where is this going yes yeah and you know now that you say that like i remember learning about joseph like when i was younger and learning that potiphar's wife wanted him to do something bad but i didn't know what that something bad was until i was much older yeah so that's really interesting but it's it's one of the commandments like yeah it's 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 bible teaching like you you should be learning that yeah anyway yeah the whole other other thing think about like if they if every like if everyone was taught that specifically as a child like how much would that help as you got older Mm -hmm. like your foundations how important those are yeah okay Mm -hmm. Anyway, Sorry. anyway, side street, moving back on to the main street. That was really neat. But yeah, no, I didn't remember this story either uh, about him making them literally consume the cat. I didn't know. Like I said, I <laughs> honestly, truthfully did not know that. Yeah, but it's funny. It is funny. It's slightly it is hilarious. Funny. It is. <laughs> like when I heard that for the first time. So the first time I had heard it, I was listening to the audiobook. It's called The Story. I forget who it's by, but it's basically the bible in like story form it's really good and i heard it i'm like what no 
no you need no. to go look up the scripture i had to go look up the actual scripture in my bible to make sure that it was real and i'm like i have to tell everyone <laughs> you like it so much ain't it yeah i texted my dad and i was like why didn't you ever tell me <laughs> i feel so betrayed <laughs> moses yeah. made them eat the calf seriously made him consume it so anyway so moving on we're moving on from the fact that he made everybody drink it um it says and moses said to aaron what did these people do to you that you have brought such a great sin upon them and aaron said let not the anger of my lord burn hot you know the people that they are set on evil for they said to me make us gods who shall go before us as for this moses the man who brought us up out of the land of egypt we do not know what has become of him so i said to them let anyone have gold take it off so they gave it to me and i threw it into the fire and out came this calf i can't stand this like <laughs> number one he blames the people yes and then number two he acts like he didn't craft this calf with some sort of like art or like conscious it, effort exactly effort that's what i was looking for he threw it in and it just popped but it just out came out and when the fire stopped burning no a ron <laughs> that's not what happened moses is not dumb and how dare you try to fool god <laughs> right it's like it's like I don't excuse know. me aaron i have questions number one how dare you <laughs> like, this has gotten out of hand fun <laughs> <laughs> because this conversation and what he did seriously <laughs> and i like the way that you read that too and out popped this calf seriously but like that's how I read. That's how I yes. think he said it. Mm-hmm. He's like, first of all, these people are prone to evil. They're all evil. They they made me do it, As and if I was he's like, not the one. Exactly. He was like, they were gonna kill me. So I was like, whoever has gold, just give it to me. I'll put it in the fire. We'll see what happens. Like, em- oh, I'll pop this calf. I don't know what to do. We better just have a feast for it tomorrow. Let's build some altars and and have an orgy. Like what? <laughs> How do we get here? I don't know. <laughs> oh, yes. Like immediately when he starts reading these people, it's like that no, that, no. that emoji that's like two line eyes and the line mouth. Seriously. No, 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 no (laughs) so aaron and his lame excuse for why he did what he did i mean did he think anybody was gonna buy that by anybody i mean moses or god clearly he's grasping at straws he he was so (laughs) so it says and Mm. when aaron no and when moses saw that the people had broken loose for aaron had let them break (laughs) loose to the desertion of their enemies is that derision? derision? Oh. I don't know what that word means. When Moses stood, <laughs> when Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, "Who is on the Lord's side? Come to me." And all the sons of Levi gathered around him, and he said to them, "Thus says the Lord God of Israel: Put your sword on your each, put your sword on your side, each of you, and go to and fro from the gate to gate throughout the camp, and each of you kill his brother and his companion and his neighbor." What? Derision means laughing stock. Oh, okay, great. So like laughing stock of your enemies. Oh, yeah. So, like, think about it from an outside perspective. From the Egyptians' perspective, God just literally did all this stuff for these people, brought them all this way, these parted a freaking sea, plagues, parted the sea, killed the Egyptians, wiped out an army. Like, and then you look over and they're just worshiping and having an orgy. They're worshiping a golden calf and having an orgy that you know is not is not the, the God, God that they that, worship. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. who mm. anyway? 
So, mm-hmm. and the sons of Levi did according to the word of Moses. And that day, about 3000 men of the Lord fell. And Moses said, today, you have been ordained for the service of the Lord, each one at the cost of his son and his brother, so that he may bestow a blessing upon you this day. So the plague that God put on Israel that day was the slaying of those 3000 men and the house of Levi, the sons of Levi who came and said, whoever's on the Lord's side, who came with Moses, that was their repentance in a way. So I read somewhere that them coming to Moses onto his side, because they're saying he, they were on the Lord's side. That was their repentance to the Lord because Moses then goes up the yeah. mountain and repents I for also, the people. Yes. I also read that too. Um, he gave them, he gave everybody the opportunity to, and these were, yeah. So like among those people, one of them was Aaron because Aaron is from the house of Levi. So okay. he did repent for what he had done because one of my hangups was, is that Aaron still becomes the high priest. Well, I, which we all, yes. Where, hold on. I have something about the Levites and the, I'm going to find out my note. Okay. So this is from. BibleNotes.org. I just thought this was really interesting because, you know, sometimes I like to see numbers, right? Sure. So it says Moses needed support and called for it. The sons of Levi sided with him and there were few in comparison to 603,550 in the other tribes, a ratio of more than 25 to 1. What? Say that again. So the number of people that... At least the way I'm reading it. So it says Moses needed support and called for it. The sons of Levi sided with him. And there were few in comparison to the other tribes. Oh, you're saying the sons of Levi were small compared to the rest of Israel. Yeah. Oh, okay. And yet they still managed to wipe out 3,000 people. Mm-hmm. Which, again, is not a lot compared to... Keep in mind, the Israelites are millions. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I'm... Like, the 3,000 people that were killed, we don't know who they are. I have read speculation that they were the kind of... The ringleaders. Okay. Now, again, I don't know if this is true. Yeah. When it comes to the calf. I mean, that would make sense. You know, mob mentality. mm -hmm. And then you just kind of, like, either fall into it and do what everybody else is doing or you're just so far removed because there's so many of them that you don't or they kill you yeah so at any rate anyway so yeah three thousand people are dead um this also says i'm so sorry i'm again just reading through my notes that like this and maybe you're going to touch on this but i didn't realize yes the three thousand men it was like it was to offer like as a punishment yep but also a deterrent as well, because like, okay, well, if this is what you're going to do. You're going to worship an idol rather than the one true God. Look and see what happens. Play to you. stupid games. Win stupid prizes. <laughs> so, yes. So the next day, Moses said to the people, you have sinned a great sin. And now I will go up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. If I were Moses, I'd be so fed up with these people. Right. But I mean, and that just goes to show the level of his leadership and maturity. Yep. Because I would be fed up. I quit. I'm done. Remove me from this situation. Wipe them all out. Right. Because your girl is through. Seriously. So so Moses returned to the Lord and said, alas, this people has sinned a great sin. They have made for themselves gods of gold. But now if you will forgive their sin... 
But now, if you will forgive their sin, but if not, please blot me out of your book that you have written. But the Lord said to Moses, whoever has sinned against me, I will blot out of my book. But now go, lead the people to the place about which I have spoken to you. Behold, my angel shall go before you. Nevertheless, in the day when I visit, I will visit their sin upon them. Let me read that again. But now go, lead the people to the place about which I have spoken to you. Behold, my angel shall go before you. Nevertheless, in the day when I visit, I will visit their sin upon them. Then the Lord sent a plague on the people because they made the calf the one that Aaron made. So God didn't let them get off scotch-free. Oh, it goes way deeper than that. But he did punish them. The plague in which they're talking about is, I feel, the 3,000, number one. That's what I've also read, is what that was. Number two, it is also the long-standing... He was playing the long game, basically, in that the adult population of Israel that participated in the golden calf never got to enter the promised land. Yeah, and for a multitude of reasons, Mm -hmm. this being one of them, Mm -hmm. like... And maybe I'm jumping ahead here because this whole time, like I'm reading this, I'm like, okay, the 3000 were killed. But what about Aaron? Like he was the ringleader. Well, not the ringleader, but he's the one who helped to execute this with conscience effort. Yeah. On the outside looking in, Mm -hmm. it looks like Aaron was never punished for what he like his part he played in that whole thing. Yeah. Because he did still become high priest. Yes. It was still his line that were the priests of Israel. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. it looks like he got off scotch-free. It does. But that's not what happened. Not really what happened. So I found where is this from? questions is that basically i guess before one of us reads this (laughs) is that what to me a punishment is like okay yeah there's i feel like there's two different types of punishment like there's punishment where it's like immediate quick and done and then there's like long and suffering and i feel like aaron got the latter which i'm not saying he didn't deserve but i feel like that's what happened oh yeah so i feel like he did too which is why you don't see, like, if you stop reading, you mm-hmm. don't see the immediate result of, of the decision he chose to make. Yep. Yep. So. Gat Question says, I'm just trying to read the whole thing. When Aaron built a golden calf for the Israelites to worship in Exodus 32, severe judgment came upon the people. Yet Aaron went on to serve as high priest. It hardly seems fair that he should escape punishment. He was the one who made the idol, after all, while others were judged. There are two possible reasons. First, one could make a strong case that Aaron was punished for making the golden calf. Though he was not punished at the exact same time, Aaron would later die in the wilderness and never enter the promised land. Aaron also endured the loss of his two adult sons in a judgment from God. After Aaron made a golden calf, his life included many difficulties that could not be seen that could be seen as a punishment. A second response is that God did not punish Aaron for making the golden calf because Aaron had already been chosen as high priest of Israel. Despite Aaron's sin, his role in leading worship in the tabernacle remained vital. Exodus 28 reveals the important role Aaron and his sons would play in the worship rituals of Israel. The position of high priest was promised in Exodus 28 before Aaron's molding of the golden calf in Exodus 32. 
It is safe to say that God used an unlikely person to serve in an important role. Aaron, the man who led the Israelites astray to worship a golden calf, was the very man God chose to lead Israel in worship of the Lord. This pattern is often observed in scripture. Many times God uses the least likely to accomplish tasks for his glory. Other examples include David, a shepherd boy turned king, Paul, a church persecutor who became a martyr and a missionary leader, Peter, a fisherman turned evangelist, Mary Magdalene, a demon-possessed woman who became the first to see the resurrected Jesus, and many others. God chooses the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, and God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. I think that of all the things that I read and in my research, as much as I enjoy reading and digging into the details of Moses making the Israelites drink the calf, is I really liked finding that article on Got Questions because God knew when he chose Aaron that Aaron was going to make this decision. Oh, yeah. And I think that that just continues to show us that, number one, as the article and as you said, God chooses the unlikely people, the weak people, the, I don't know, I guess for a lack of a better term, what regular society would see as damaged or broken people Mm -hmm. to serve a greater and higher purpose. And he's not holding back. Like, why? Like, if it were... He could have, God could have easily left it, left that part out. Like, oh, the high priest Aaron, you know, da 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 da, didn't do anything wrong. But here we are, kind of like Lot and Abraham and David, and, you know, we the see their shortcomings. We see exactly all their shortcomings. The humanness, the fleshness, I mm-hmm. guess, of who we are. And he still uses them for this amazing higher purpose. Yeah. I mean, it sucks. It's unfortunate. But I just thought that it was very sacrificial of Moses to say, if you're not going to forgive the people, then don't like blot me out of your book. Like, I don't take me because he knew that the atonement of sin wasn't going to be accomplished by an ox or by a sheep or whatever. Yeah. They could. It needed to be a person. Because it was a big deal. It was. A big deal. So, yeah. He stood between the people and the wrath of God and said, punish me. He couldn't handle that, obviously. No. But the (laughs) fact that he stepped in to do it, because like... It's a gesture. So many, exactly. So many people want to jump in to take credit for what is good or what is somebody else's that's really good. Um, But it takes a genuine... I mean, I don't even know what the word is. I don't know. Can I say Christ-like, even though we don't have Christ yet? For him to step in and say, in place of them, take me. I feel like you have to have a really humble heart. Yeah. yeah. To be able to do that. A very humble and like loving heart. Moses, we have come a long way from pick someone else. I ain't it. Because mm-hmm. now here we are for the Israelites who, by the way, were also part of the reason he was chased out of Egypt to begin with. He's now saying, take me instead of them. Yep. Like... The kind of love he needs to have for his people to say that. Right. Right. Crazy. Question. Yeah. Do you think that he said that because he also knew that God wouldn't do it? I don't think so. And God was angry. He was still angry. He He was like, leave me so I can destroy them. Yeah. But he was like, wait, I'll go down. And he also had to go up to be like, hey, I actually broke your stuff. I'm sorry. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But, you know. At the same time, God knew what he was going to do. 
God put him in these situations, he knew the situation was was, was going to happen to build his character, exactly. to build him into the person he needed him to be. Which God still does today with the mm-hmm. situations and the, I don't know, seasons that people go through in your life. God is building you for something of a higher purpose. So yep. just stay strong. Yep. I don't know if somebody needs to hear that, but <laughs> seriously, there it is. Oh, that's the end of 32. I feel like that's the end of our episode, is it not? Yeah, I think so. Wow. We're here. We made it. We made it. Jeez, an hour. <gasps> an hour and 20 minutes. It's not an hour and 20 minutes, though, because we stopped and we have a lot of pauses from where I was looking at my notes. Not 20 minutes worth. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> it's okay. Anyways, if you've stayed until the end, thank you so much. Yes, yeah, seriously. I think it's that time. It's that time. What's our favorite verse? Our favorite verse. Do you want to do it? It's a little it's a little off kilter. I like it. I like when you do it. You you do it. Fine, fine, I'll do it. Okay. All right. Our favorite verse is 3220. He took the calf that they had made and burned it with fire and ground it into powder and scattered it on the water and made the people of Israel drink it. You like it so much? drink it Mm, tastes good doesn't it (laughs) it's a little off kilter from our you know god sent jesus down to guide the people the the angel will go before you yes drink the the calf (laughs) i mean i would much rather have moses's judgment on the people in terms of that than have god's judgment on the people absolutely and i feel like they would feel the same But anyway, that was our favorite verse. So on the next episode, we will be discussing Exodus chapters 33 through 35. I can't believe we're almost done. We are. With Exodus. I think we counted, what, two episodes left? Two, yes. Maybe. Two or three. Two or three. Anyway, and that will be up next Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. We hope you've enjoyed the time we've spent in God's Word, and we hope to see you next time. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.